Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. When Corey and I started this podcast, one of our missions was to help people around the world, as many people as we could. We wanted to help them improve their health and deal with some serious health issues. We have no sponsors, and we relied on you, the listener, to help us out. But that hasn't been as lucrative as we thought. As a matter of fact, we probably, Corey, had less than $3,000 contributed to us over the course of the last four months. And we need some help from listeners in order to keep this going. We sure do. Um, We were very graciously lent the money to get this equipment, um, as well as having a wonderful technician who gave us a lot of his time. We need to pay these people back, um, and neither Ian and I work. This is a full-time job for both of us, and we'd really appreciate some support out there. If you would like to donate to Cannabis Health Radio, then you can assist us in continuing with these podcasts and continuing our message to people around the world. Just go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and make a financial contribution. We need your help in order to keep this going. going, And just to even keep our website going. I mean, there's all these hidden costs, and um, unfortunately, uh, my partner's not a millionaire. Are you, Ian? No, no, I'm, I'm not a millionaire. I've been married twice and lost a lot of money in the stock market. So. <laughs> yeah, but we'd appreciate your help. Yeah, thanks, folks. Much appreciated. When their son Colton nearly drowned at a Boy Scout camp in 2011, he developed a bacterial infection the doctors believe triggered his Crohn's disease. With the boy's health deteriorating, the family turned to cannabis and had to move from Illinois to Colorado. And joining us to tell this story is Colton's mother, Wendy Turner. Wendy, good of you to do this. Thanks very much. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. Wendy, Thanks what, for having me. What has life been like for your family over the last five years? Uh, it's been hard. Uh, our our life has revolved around Crohn's disease, uh, trying to find uh, uh, just relief for Colton. Um, at at one point, it was just you know trying to get him through the day. Um, his pain was ridiculous. He was constantly in the bathroom. Um, we didn't do a whole lot of stuff because, like I said, his his Crohn's disease kind of took over all of our lives. So going to the zoo was hard um, because he'd spend most of the time in the bathroom. Um, he was in a wheelchair at one point. People don't understand that Crohn's disease is really debilitating. And it's hard not only on the person that has the, the disease, but everybody that that is involved with that person's life. So, you know, we had to deal with our daughter thinking that he was going to die. And our son, our oldest son, afraid that he's going to lose his best friend. So it's not been, it's not been easy at all. 
You know, Wendy, when you tell this story, I am reminded of an interview we did with a woman in Saskatchewan who had Crohn's disease for 25 years, and she said she spent more time in the hospital than she did with her kids. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't think people really realize how debilitating Crohn's disease is and how painful it is. And whenever you go out, the first thing you have to wonder, where's the bathroom? Right. Right. Where's the bathroom? How fast can I get to it? Um Am I going to be able to get there to actually physically walk to the bathroom without falling in between because I, he, they're in so much pain? Um, I, when Colton first got diagnosed, we didn't know what Crohn's disease was. So, of course, we did. We started doing our research and we started talking to people. And one parent came up to me and said, well, you know, just be thankful that it's not cancer. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know. You're probably right. But then I started thinking about it, and I and I was like, you know, a lot of cancers are curable. And, yeah, it's bad. It is, it is absolutely horrible, and no one should ever have to deal with cancer. But Crohn's disease is not a walk in the park. It's very much like cancer for the rest of your life. It looks like cancer in your, in your gut. Um, you have the same symptoms as cancer. Uh, the only, you have, you have the same chemotherapies as cancer. And it is not curable. It, this is something that from 11 years old, Colton will have to deal with until the day that he dies. And we don't know if that is going to be a life full of, of, you know, normalcy because of cannabis. Or if, you know, Crohn's disease has, has shortened his life and that he's not going to live until he's 85, like, uh, you know, hopefully most people do. It's really, really hard. And you're right. The, the hospital stays are constant. You know, I think when Colton, the first three years of Colton's diagnosis, we were in the hospital probably every other week. It was just, you know symptom after symptom and then medication after medication and side effect after side effect and it just we just couldn't get traction with this disease you know at the at the end of his westernized medication journey through Crohn's disease um the Mayo Clinic kind of wrote us off and said you know hey look you know he he's taken everything that we could give him and he has had a side effect to everything. They thought that he was getting T-cell lymphoma. His his cells that they found were not architectural, so they weren't lymphoma. Um, but they did find precancerous cells. And they were like, okay, if we give him Simzia, which is the next biological, because he was on Humira, then he has a 66% chance of developing T-cell lymphoma fully. Uh, we could do surgery, and then that takes out, you know, at least 22 centimeters of his of disease bowel. Um, but he was he had skip lesions, so he had it all the way up into his esophagus and his his colon, um, and he had a piece of good intestines and a piece of bad intestines and a piece of good and a piece of bad. So were they going to take out all of his intestines? We don't know. But he would have had to have a bag on his on his body for the rest of his life. And he was 13 at this time. He wasn't growing. He was in, in failure to thrive. 
it was really, really bad. And the Mayo Clinic was like, there's nothing we can do. And kind of just sent us home and said, you know, if he, if, if you can find something great, if not, then we want you to know that if you don't do something, then he's not going to, he's not going to live by the end of the 2014. Wendy, it's my understanding he also has lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. Well, rheumatoid arthritis kind of, um, is one of those autoimmune diseases that, Everybody who has Crohn's disease has, it seems like, um, once you get Crohn's disease, all these little autoimmune disorders come up and rheumatoid arthritis is one of those. So most people who suffer from Crohn's suffer from RA. Um, but the lupus situation was, um, because he had to take Remicade and Remicade is, um, a biological that he had to sit in an infusion room, just right next to a little boy who had cancer getting the same kind of infusions. Um, he sat there for eight hours every time he had to get an infusion and that created lupus because lupus is a side effect of one of the, of those biologicals, a side effect. Mm. <laughs> and all, isn't Remicade the culprit with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma as well? It can be. Yeah. Um, the, all of those biologicals have a side effect of, of T cell lymphoma and that is fatal in adolescent men or adolescent males. So, yeah, I mean, he could have, that could have started the, the T-cell lymphoma situation, the scare, and then we put him on, you know, other medications in between, and then finally we put him on Humira, and it's just those biologicals. And numerous, they say 1% of people who are on these biologicals have, get T-cell lymphoma. But I've found six people that um, their family member has has died from Humira because of T cell lymphoma, and that isn't the what that isn't what they put on the death certificates. The death certificates say complications from Crohn's, not T cell lymphoma Foma due from to Humira. Yeah, yeah, right. It, it's so my under- that's bad. <laughs> It's my understanding also um, that surgery doesn't necessarily negate the disease. Like oh, you, could, no, you can still not. have that intestine taken out, and you can still have Crohn's or you know un- under that umbrella ulcerative colitis. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's um, not a complete fix. No, not at all. Um, the the thing with Crohn's disease now with with ulcerative colitis, ulcerative colitis is is mainly in the large intestines. So you can remove your large intestines completely and have more symptom relief for a longer period of time. Um, eventually, you'll probably develop something along the way. But with Crohn's disease, it is it affects your whole digestive system. So it's just not in the intestines. It can be in your mouth. It can, it's all the way from your mouth to your to the end, you know, all the way. So, in, yeah, entrance to exit. And so you can have lesions and sores in your mouth. You can have it in your esophagus. You can have it in your stomach. Pancreatitis is just a huge issue that people with Crohn's deal with. Their eyes swell. So it's not just it's not a bit intestines. Of t- yeah, it's not a bit of tummy pain and some diarrhea. No, it's absolutely so not. so much more. It is so much more. There's skin rashes. Um, there is psoriasis, horrible psoriasis. Uh, the, your teeth fall out. 
it's just your 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 fingernails and toenails get very brittle. You end up having RA. There, it, the list just goes on and on and on and on. So, Wendy, after the doctors, the allopathic doctors said there was nothing more they can do. They essentially told you to take your son home, try something else, because there was nothing they could do. Was it? Did you feel as though they were giving your son a death sentence? Um, at the time, yes, kind of. Uh, the thing about the Mayo Clinic is that they're very um, holistic. And they kept saying, well, try acupuncture, try, try some, some holistic medicines and blah, blah. They would never ever once say, try cannabis because that's not legal for them to say. But they're, they're very holistic and they, they said, listen, there's other things that can help, you know, watch his diet, try some acupuncture, try, don't do the westernized medicine route, you know. And I, I looked at the the nurse practitioner who was telling me all this, and I said, "Do you want me to take him to the Indian reservation? Do you want me to find a witch doctor, you know?" And she's like, "If that helps, absolutely." They didn't want to write us off, but westernized medicines weren't working, so there was nothing more that they could do legally you know they can't give him acupuncture and it be you know okay with the with our insurance but we could go do that and if if it would have helped it would have been fine but when she kind of saw that i was still searching because when colton got sick and with with the humera that was in august of 2013 and he was taken off the humera i immediately started looking for alternative methods because i knew that this wasn't that biologicals weren't going to work. And I didn't even want to put them on Humira. Uh, but I started researching and I found cannabis. And I went into that doctor's office hoping that they would say, try cannabis. And they didn't. And, but I kept, you know, she knew that I was searching. So when they walked out the door, she stopped at the doorway before closing the door and said, research what's going on in Colorado. And she shut the door. Interesting. No. Oh, well, yes. That's yeah. Um, and that was my green light. I was like, "Thank you." I, that was what I was looking for because I had found the research in Israel that said eleven out of twenty-one people found symptom relief with cannabis. Nine out of those eleven found complete remission. So only t- it only didn't completely one hundred percent work for two people. And I was like, okay, you know, that beats placebo. So I'm all for it. Let's try this. And so that was when, when Colton had his last colonoscopy and saw the doctors at the Mayo Clinic for the last time was February 10th of 2014. His birthday is February 29th. Um, So we thought, okay, well, we'll stay here in Illinois until his birthday. So he can turn 14. He can say bye to his friends without really expect you know telling them by because we weren't telling anybody that they were leaving for colorado because if it didn't work we didn't know what we were going to do and we didn't want people thinking oh i can't believe that you tried marijuana you know we just didn't want that so we kept quiet so they planned on leaving march 1st of 2014 and it was just going to be my husband and my son because i had to stay back and run our business and there, there was a snowstorm, so they ended up leaving on March 4th of 2014. 
and I got a call um, probably four days later saying that he was he just threw a snowball at me and 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 ran away and i was like oh my gosh he's been he's been doing this for just a, and it was just brownies because at that point in time they didn't have a card he didn't have a, a legal red card so they my husband went to a rec dispensary got some medication that he thought would be the best for him walked out with this bag of weed and didn't know what to do with it. And so he called me and I said, you know, let's just make, why don't you just make brownies? The story is hilarious, but I can't tell it near as well because I wasn't there. But my husband went to Walmart, bought pots and pans and a little Dutch oven and, or a little toaster oven and hung out of the window of our, of their hotel room, mixing up brownies and making, um, making oil to put in the brownie mix with cannabis. And Colton is sitting there playing his little, or watching his TV, playing his computer and spraying Febreze all over and, (laughs) you know, has, has a towels around the door. So the smell doesn't get out. Um, but they were terrified. It's, it's a, it's a funny story the way Colton tells it. It's really funny. Mm -hmm. Um, but they were terrified that they were going to get in trouble because, you know, here they're doing it illegally, but a couple days after into just taking brownies, Colton was feeling better and was actually walking around and actually threw a snowball at my husband on the top of a mountain and ran away. And that was just like our light bulb moment. This is working. Ran away. When was the last time he ran? Oh my gosh. We don't even know. We, um, Every time we think of it, we're just like, we want to just cry because we, we think, God, when was the last time he ran? And that was the, that was my husband's first thought was, you know, well, the first thought was pick up a snowball and throw it back. Um, (laughs) the second thought was, oh my God, he's running. My son is running. I mean, we've never, we hadn't seen that since before he got sick. So it was at least, Three years of him just being, you know, barely walking, always in a wheelchair, couldn't do hardly anything. He was just exhausted all the time. So it was just, it was that life-defining moment of, okay, we're doing this right because we we watched him run. Well, he did. He got to watch him run. And then I got to hear it on Skype because I was still in Illinois. You know, we we actually had to to split our family up for six months for Colton to try cannabis and and uh, see if it was going to work. I'll bet you when your husband told you that story, you cried. Oh my God, I want to cry now. How could you not? <laughs> it's <Right>? hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's an unbelievable story. I mean, it really shows to listeners to this program and those who listen to other programs that cannabis really is a medicine. And what was your yes. attitude, Wendy, before towards cannabis before you discovered cannabis? Oh, I was I was the queen of the dare program. Um, <laughs> I I was a, a Miss Goody Two Shoes. I we had um, fights with with family members about their pot use. Um, we had kicked family members out of our out of our lives because of cannabis. Um, 
we 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 both thought this was a a bad drug and that nobody should use it and the brain you know the egg and the the brain on drugs and you know it was just we were those typical goody goodies absolutely have you, we, and we always say we're the biggest hypocrites that you will ever meet. <laughs> we, were, we were wrong. We were 100% wrong. And we are so proud to say that we were wrong. Cannabis is a medicine. Cannabis is not a gateway drug. And it is, it is not something that is, that is so harmful to people that their, their livers are shutting down or they're, they're having psychosis or, you know, th- things like that. Cannabis is really a safe and effective medicine for so many things. And we were wrong. Wendy, you are the 92nd interview we've done on Cannabis Health Radio. And, awesome. And to a person, I think, Corey, we've talked to people who have had brain cancer, lung cancer, bone cancer, liver cancer, all sorts of cancers, all sorts of ailments, Crohn's disease. And to a person, when they take cannabis... They find relief of their symptoms. They mm-hmm. actually clear their cancers. Yes. They go into remission. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's remarkable. Yet, there is still the stigma out there that somehow this is like crystal meth and crack cocaine and heroin, and you're going to hell in a handbasket if you take it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's insane. Yeah. We've had, like, autistic kids that have just totally come together. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And... You know, I we, we have to blame our federal governments all across the United States and all across the world, actually, because we they all did it. They made cannabis illegal because of profit and then turned around and said, it is a bad drug, don't do it, and pushed it into our brains. So we, you know, I grew up in Prohibition. You know, it was 1937 when cannabis was deemed illegal and unsafe. You know, that wasn't my generation. You know, there was 40 years before I was even born of these people telling you that this was bad, this was bad, this was bad, this was bad. So I grew up, this is bad. You know, the the second that I, you know, became a person on this earth, I was told that cannabis is bad. So I, in my brain, cannabis is bad. And so we learned those things. So, Fixing your brain to think that you were wrong is really, really difficult, but we have to do that and we have to stop the stigma and we have to stop the propaganda because we were lied to. They made us think that this was bad and, and made laws against this when they, when our government, the United States government knew that it was a neuroprotectant. It did help with Crohn's disease and Alzheimer's and MS and glaucoma and all these sorts of diseases. They knew, but they didn't care because the pharmaceutical companies, the plastic companies, the oil companies, they took precedence. They were the ones making sure that cannabis wasn't going to be that top crop because they had an, another agenda. And so we, we grew up with this. So we're at a turning point in history where we can stand up and say, listen, we were lied to. We know that cannabis works. And we thank the Lord every single day for our hippie friends, the people in, in the background of, of all of this that kept this plant alive. Because there were planes that would have a chemical 
spewing out of them that were trying to kill the cannabis plants. Um, and that it, that's just crazy. So we, we just appreciate all those people that, that are in jail now for illegally growing and keeping that plant safe. Because if it wasn't for those people, my son wouldn't be alive today. That's uh, very well put. So, Miss Goody Two Shoes, do you have a tie dye shirt now? <laughs> I have so many tie dye shirts. I I liked tie dye before, actually, but I have I have more. I'm, I I think that maybe I was a hippie in a different in a different life. Different life. Um, because when when we when we started looking for cannabis for alternative treatments, and we came around cannabis, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I'm going to give my kid pot. But this is this this is I I believe this. I, I instantly believed that this was going to work, and I don't know why, but I have pot socks, and I, <laughs> I have necklaces with pot leaves and T-shirts, and you, you name it. I, I just absolutely would stand up 100% to anyone and say, cannabis saved my son's life, and you cannot tell me that it didn't. Wendy, and what's... If, Sorry, I can prove it. <laughs> What's his uh, protocol these days? So Colton takes four pills a day of a 15 milligram one-to-one. So he takes 15 milligrams of THC, 15 milligrams of CBD in one pill. It totals up to 60 milligrams per day of just an oil. It's an, um, it's an isolate and it's a, uh, it's not made by a specific strain because the technology now um, with these with these dispensaries and with these labs is just ridiculous. And so they just pull out the CBD and they pull out the THC, and that is what works for him. So we have we've found that there are other strains that were like high in in THCV, which THCV is a great cannabinoid for diabetes and for weight loss. But when you have a, a child that has a wasting syndrome um, who can't continue to keep on weight, THCV is not that, that not situation. So yeah. we, we've gone through a lot of trial and error, and we found that the one-to-one, about 15 milligrams uh, per dose, works for Colton. It doesn't work for everyone. We have a little tribe here in Colorado of kids that have Crohn's disease that are on the same exact medicine that Colton takes. And Colton is the highest. Colton takes the, the most. But I think he was the most severe out of all of them. But they're all doing well on the same medicine. And they're all, they have symptom relief, if not in complete remission. Cannabis works. Does Colton get uh, flare-ups? Uh, no. Uh, he had one flare-up back in 2015, in the summer of 2015, because we he hadn't been home in Illinois for over a year. And so he hadn't seen his friends. Uh, he picked up and left his friends without even saying bye, pretty much. And we took him back to Illinois, but we didn't take his medicine because we were afraid. Um, it's illegal to, we had to drive from Colorado to Illinois and we were going through Kansas and Missouri and both those states are illegal. Um, he is not a legal patient in the state of Illinois. So if he were to get caught with medicine in even that state, then we would be in trouble. And we didn't want to do that. 
we didn't get into this situation to be a martyr. We wanted to make sure that Colton was alive. Yes. And it, this was his, about his health. So we did the right thing and didn't take his medicine. Well, by the time the trip was over and the, by the time we got home, he had he went into a flare because he didn't have his medicine for over a week. And um, so he went into the hospital. But then we gave him his medicine again, and within a couple of weeks, he was back to normal again. And since then, he hasn't gone into a flare since. So it's been almost two years since he's been in a flare. But we, we, he says, I'd rather be illegally alive than legally dead. Dead. I love that saying. I love that. I saw a video of him speaking where he was talking about some kind of botched surgery that they did to him. Oh yeah, he loves to tell the story. It's so crazy when um when he was diagnosed or when he had his Humira scare, his lymph nodes flared up. So that's why we thought, oh my gosh, he has lymphoma. His lymph nodes are huge. Well, they diagnosed him with tuberculosis. So tuberculosis is also a side effect of Humira. Whoa. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. Yes, it is. Hmm. Um, so he had these huge lymph nodes. Um, they had to do a biopsy for to get there's three types of tuberculosis and i did not know that but they had to figure out which type of tuberculosis it was because they had three different types of medicine to treat the tuberculosis so they went in and cut his neck open and took out his lymph nodes well we went home this was friday the 13th we went home that night um, got a call at eight o'clock in the morning on Monday from his doctor and said, you need to bring him back as soon as possible. We took out the wrong organ. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, they took out his submandibular, submandibular salivary gland instead of any lymph nodes. So the pathology was like, uh, there's, this is not a, a lymph node and wow. they wanted us to go back and, and have it re have have the lymph nodes taken out so he has no submandibular um, salivary gland which is horrible for a kid that has not only a digestive disorder which you know your saliva Saliva's is the first thing yeah um so he's constantly got dry mouth but then he's the the medicine that works for him the side effect is dry mouth Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so that's the only major side effect that cannabis has has given Colton was dry mouth, and that you know that just made it even worse. <laughs> yeah, we interviewed a gentleman in in the United Kingdom who went in for an operation, and uh, he told us that they removed his kidney, his left kidney, and said, "Was there anything wrong with the kidney?" He said, "No." He says they just took it out. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. yeah, it makes no sense. I don't, I don't know. Well, yeah. and then we, I'm sure he probably had a lawsuit. We tried to sue the the uh, hospital for for damages, and we can't because it's not nece- it, it's not necessary to have a salivary gland. What? And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. It is necessary to have a salivary gland. How are you going to start digesting your food? Um, and not only. He has a digestive disorder. So the first thing is, you know, making sure that his saliva is is being produced so he can start digesting this food immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it's a mess, but you know, yeah. it is what it is and there's there's nothing you can do about it and 
we just, uh, we laugh about it now and, and tell the story and we're very cautious when we have to go in for, for any kind of, uh, procedures now. And, and it is what it is. When do you, you got to move on? Right. If Illinois legalizes <laughs> medical marijuana, would you and your family be moving back there? They have legalized marijuana. Oh, they have? Okay. Yes, they have. And his condition is covered. Um, but the doctors are not on board there. And not only that, the medical program in Illinois is very expensive. And we're here established in Colorado. Um, he, he has people that are making his medicine that are fantastic. Um, his doctor is on board. His GI doctor, not just his medical marijuana doctors. Um, but his GI doctor is on board. And if we went back to Illinois, he would have to see a GI physician in this, in actually in Missouri because we live near St. Louis. Um, so any, so children's hospital is in St. Louis, Missouri. So we'd have to cross the, the border of Illinois to go into Missouri and it is not legal there. So he, we could get in trouble in Missouri because his doctors would be there instead of Illinois. So it's a very complicated situation. Yeah, it is. Wendy, it was great to talk to you. Uh, give a message to your husband that his appearance on the cooking channel uh, has been delayed. <laughs> because oh. oh, because of his... <laughs> okay, well, he makes the best pot brownies, so if he okay. wants them, then I'm sure that he would be very embarrassed that, that he would actually do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just... Uh, I'm teasing you. <laughs> It was a great story. Yeah. Thank you. It was wonderful to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, thank you, too. Um, and can I say one last thing? Sure. If you're fighting for legalization anywhere, fight for reciprocity. That is so important. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Wendy. Thank you, you're Wendy, welcome. very much. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Take care. Bye-bye. And that's it. Another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.